service and so forth. I want to get into the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. How many of y'all have been enjoying this series on the iPad, the kingdom iPad? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I'm not an Apple person. Um, I haven't bought the Kool-Aid, drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, but I don't, I don't hold that against all you Apple people. We just use the iPad as an acronym uh, for what we've been teaching here in the last few weeks here. Let's open our Bibles to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Very familiar text to you, to many of you. We're going to read it first in the New King James Version, and I want to read also in the King James. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. You have it, say amen. Amen. Okay, let's read all together. Ready, read. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope, to give you a future and a hope. So God's thinking about you. Tell your neighbor, God's thinking about you. He's thinking some good thoughts about you. He says to give you a future and a hope. Now let's read that same verse in the King James Version, that same verse in the King James Version. All right, they have it on the screen for us. All right, ready, read. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. To give you an what? What kind of end? An expected end. An end. So there's an end that God expects for us. Amen? So tonight we're, we're going to be pretty much closing out this series we've been talking on, and uh, we're talking tonight on destiny, so uh, we want to use for a subject, keep the end in mind, keep the end in mind. Father, tonight, thank you for giving us opportunity to hear and receive your word. I ask that, God, your people have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts that the word will fall upon and be sown into good ground that it may uh, produce what you send it to produce and accomplish that which you please. I pray, Father, that, God, you give me divine utterance that I may speak things I have not heard already. Give me divine unction that I may flow in ways I have not seen. And that, God, as your people receive the word, Father, you will have your way in this place. We thank you that lives will be transformed uh, by the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. All right, keep the end in mind. Now, we've been basing everything out of uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, 27 and 28, where the Bible talks about uh, God created man in his own image, right? In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, right? And then verse 28, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over so and so forth, right? Fish of the sea, birds of the air. Uh, every living thing that moves on the earth, right? And so help, help me out, class. Let me see how if y'all been monitoring this lesson here. The blessing is what? The power God gives. I'm, I'm trying to give y'all prompts. The power God gives to man to reproduce. He knows it, yeah. They take copious notes over there. Good. So the blessing is the power God gives to men. Now, we, we hear all kind of definitions of the blessing in the, in the church world. So I'm not trying to uh, contradict anyone else's definition. I'm talking about the blessing in terms of what we're teaching. We know the blessing is the empowerment, the empowerment of God to prosper. Um, that's one definition. I'm talking about within the realm of what we're teaching. It's the, it's the power God gives to man to reproduce heaven on earth. And I told you the blessing releases something called grace. And grace is? Ability, come on. All right, and God gives that to us on purpose for purpose. Okay, on purpose for purpose. Okay, now what grace does, grace enables me to fulfill my purpose and reach my destiny in the earth. Grace enables me. Remember, grace is an ability, it's divine enablement. Grace enables me to fulfill my purpose and reach my destiny in the earth. You need grace to do that. You can't function on your own ability. You cannot function on your own wisdom. You cannot function on your own energy. Your energy will run out. You will be exhausted trying to do 
God's work without grace. You will make too many mistakes trying to do God's work without his wisdom. You, you, will, you will fail miserably trying to do God's work without God's ability. We need the grace of God. Okay? Now, let me remind you of one more statement that we made before. All right? My identity points to my purpose. Purpose gives parameters to, to my assignments, and my assignments fulfill. Y'all got it? Very good, class. Give yourselves a hand tonight. Let's say that again for those who may not have heard it before. My identity points to my purpose. So that's why it's so important that I learn my identity first. We taught your identity because your identity points to your purpose. Remember, we talked about in Genesis 1.27, he made man in his own image, male and female, he created them. And that's why I told you the devil is working so hard to get people to, to not identify as what God made them to be. And it's not that, that the devil cares what kind of sex you have, is that he doesn't want you to ever fulfill your purpose. Okay? So you, your identity points to your purpose. Your purpose then gives parameters or boundaries or lanes or guides to your assignments. So once you know your purpose, you don't do everything just because it looks interesting. You don't go and copy another minister, another minister, another worker, another child of God in what they're doing because that looks fun over there. No, you have to know what your assignment is. Hallelujah. And I know in this world, modern world, we teach folk, teach little kids to color outside the lines. But in the kingdom, you cannot color outside the lines. You must color in the lines. You must color in the lines God gives you because if you color outside the lines, outside the boundaries, you're going to make a mess. Okay? And because the grace only applies to you within the lines. Yes, Y'all didn't catch that. The grace only applies to you within the lines. So if I go do some something just because Pastor Caleb's doing it, because, wow, I, that's great what current church is doing. I love what they're doing. So I'm going to go duplicate that, but that's not my assignment. Guess what's going to happen to me? I'm going to make a mess. I'm going to flop. I'm going to struggle because that's not my assignment. And because that's not my assignment, there's no grace on it for me. There's grace on him for that because that's what God called him to do. But if God didn't call me to do that, I will flop miserably after a while. You miss, you miss what I'm saying? After a while, I'll flop. Because the devil will let you look like. He will let you look like you're succeeding. But it's only temporary because he knows there's no grace on you. So you're going to exhaust. You're going to wear yourself out. And while you wear yourself out doing, trying to do what somebody else is doing, what's not your assignment, you're now missing out what is your assignment. Okay? So, so, so my identity points, my purpose, my purpose gives, gives uh, parameters to my assignments, and my assignments fulfill my destiny. All right? Y'all got it? All right, we, we saw, we looked, we've been looking at Adam. So what was Adam's identity? Remember, the Bible says he's, he was made in God's image according to God's likeness. So Adam's identity was the God class. That's the first thing God gave him. Before God gave him the blessing, before God gave him dominion, God gave him an identity. You are made in my image and my likeness. Got it? Then we saw, we looked at what Adam's purpose was. The Bible said that God told Adam to be fruitful multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, and subdue it. So God gives him this purpose. The reason why I put you here, all right? Remember we talked about in Genesis 2 how the Bible said that um, God did, did not cause the rain on the earth because there, he, there was no man to till the ground, right? So Adam's purpose is to now till or cultivate the ground, all right? So uh, be fruitful, multiply, Fill the earth and subdue it. So now Adam has a purpose. Now remember, purpose gives parameters to his assignments. So we looked at last week some of his assignments. Number one, the Bible says God put Adam in the garden to dress it and keep it. King James, dress and keep it. Right? Which that word dress means to cultivate it. So God wanted Adam to cultivate the garden. What does it mean to cultivate? It means to take what you have and to work it until it grows and expands. You, you, know, you know how it is when you cultivate a relationship? That, that's what dating is all about. 
Don't come over here. Don't sit there. That's what dating is all about. In dating, you cultivate a relationship. When you first meet somebody, hi, how are you doing? Oh, good. What's your name? And, uh, you know, whatever. You just know a little about them, you know. Or somebody you know from work, but you only have a work relationship. Or somebody you meet at church. Somebody you meet at church, and you have a church relationship, but you, you are interested in something more, you have to now spend time cultivating, working that to help it blossom from more than just a church relationship, this platonic relationship, this brother-sister relationship, to something more. Look at y'all. So Adam's job, one of his assignments was to dress, to cultivate this garden because the whole earth didn't look like the garden. But if Adam did his assignment right, then he began to take the, what was in the garden and cause it to spread all over the earth. Y'all got it? Oh, man, I got to hurry. Okay? Then, then we, saw, we saw another assignment God gave Adam was to name the animals. He brought the animals to Adam, see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called it, that was his name. So Adam had that assignment that I told you last week. God in, in Genesis uh, uh, 2.18 talked about, I think it's verse 18, said God said uh, uh, Adam needs a helpmate. He needs a helper comparable to him, right? And uh, God said he needed it, but God didn't give him that helper, that assistant, until he proved he could handle the assignments he already had. And I remember I gave y'all that little nugget last week. For all you want to be married people, you, you, don't, you don't marry some guy who doesn't prove he can handle assignments. If he doesn't know how to manage a home, then, then uh, well, you don't, you don't go marry him. Well, he still lives with his mama. But if his mama still got to tell him to bake his bed up and clean his room, then he's, okay, it's, you know, don't marry him. His car, is, his car is always nasty. He's not a husband, right? You don't need an, assi you don't need an assistant until you prove you handle assignments well. Okay, remember I showed you that because it wasn't after he did that, named the animals, that God then actually made the assistant Eve and brought her to him. Okay? All right, so we also been looking at what Adam's destiny was. What, what is our destiny? And it's to rule. That was the destiny for Adam was to rule over the whole earth, right? Remember God told him, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So Adam had a destiny, right? So here's the question. What went wrong? What went wrong? Adam had an identity. He had a purpose. God gave him assignments. God told him what his destiny was. What happened? Sin came along. Right? But in particular, what happened? What happened? Remember, I, we preached last week. Remember, what was last week's message title? Good. Let the Lord tell you what to do. Y'all know I'm going to quiz y'all. A teacher always quizzes this class. Let the Lord tell you what to do. You got it. It's in your notes. Good. So, <laughs> it's in everybody's notes. Let the Lord tell you what to do. So, my question was, can the Lord tell you what to do, or are you rebellious? Because when you're talking about following assignments, giving, uh, getting assignments from God, God must have, remember this. I told you this last week. God made Adam, just like he's made us, what the Bible, what we call, rather, free moral agents. So because we are free moral agents, God doesn't force us to do anything. We have something called free will. So animals don't have free will. Animals do what they're programmed to do. I told you that's why you don't, you would never see a male dog with another male dog. Because they do what they're programmed to do. Hallelujah. Or a female dog with a female dog. Okay? But because people have free will, have these options, that's why God told them over in Deuteronomy, I think it's 30, he says, behold, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, therefore, choose life. You, you can choose whichever one you want. I'm giving you the option. You can choose whichever one you want because you have free will. 
So you can choose the good road or you can choose an evil road. You can choose good or you can choose evil. You can choose the right way or you can choose your way. And so what happened was Adam, who had identity, he had purpose, he had assignments. Remember I told you the second assignment was to do what? Name the animals. Well, what happens? And then his destiny was to rule, have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over everything that lives, lives and moves on the earth, right? So what, what happened to him? All of a sudden, something that he had named and something that he had dominion over, he listened to them, to it, as opposed to the one who had dominion over him. God had given Adam clear instructions. Eat, he told him, I want you to dress and keep this garden. He said, you can eat freely. He said, he, the Bible threw the word in there, Holy Ghost said it. Eat freely of every tree in the garden that you want. But of that one tree, the knowledge of good and evil, he said, don't touch that tree. Don't touch that tree. But what happens? A snake comes. Come tell, your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't listen to snakes. If you sit next to a young lady, tell her, say, young lady, don't listen to snakes. Don't listen to snakes. <laughs> snakes always come and try to tell you something. That's, some, that's what the snakes do, hiss at you. Psst. That's what they do. Hallelujah. Let me get your Instagram handle. They used to ask for phone numbers back in the day. When I was growing up, we asked for phone numbers. Now they ask for your Instagram handle. Praise the Lord. And so the snake comes along. The snake talks to Eve. Who is, who is uh, in co-dominion. Remember, at this time, Eve is not subordinate to Adam. I said Eve is not subordinate to Adam. Adam and Eve are both made in the image of God according to his likeness. They both have dominion. Remember, because he said, let them have. They are both equal. So then here comes, here comes this snake who, who whispers to Eve, and he tells her, he says, hey, has God said, you should not eat of this tree? And she said, oh, yeah, God said, yeah, we can, we can. Well, he said, don't touch it. Well, first of all, God never said don't touch it. You got to cultivate it. But he, he said, don't eat of it. And he, he then tells her this lie. He says, well, God knows the day you eat of it that you're gonna, your eyes going to be open and you're going to be like him. That, that's the trick because they were already like him. So he gets them to get her to question her identity. He goes right back to the root. Are y'all listening? He goes right back to the root. He tells her that he knows the day you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like him. God had already made her just like him. You're going to be wise. She's already wise. So she receives that. And then, and then Adam goes along with it. The Bible says she gave Adam the fruit with her, right? So she, he, that means Adam's right there. And rather than Adam take dominion over that serpent that was already under him, he listens to that serpent, and when he listens to that serpent, disaster happens, right? And so, and so they... Um, they lost it. <laughs> um, remember the, the identity, the purpose, the assignments, the destiny. So they forgot about their identity. That's what he got on the question. They forgot about their purpose. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. They forgot about that. They forgot about their assignment, rule over all this stuff here. And they exchanged their destinies for their desire. Okay. Um, go, go back to Genesis. Give me Genesis 3, uh, 4, 4, 5, and 6. Look, look at this. Then the servant said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Y'all see that? For God knows that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, 
and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse uh, uh, 6. So when the, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, there's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And you know that the Bible talks about those three things. And a tree desirable to make one wise is a pride of life. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. He's right there all along. And so, and so watch this. So watch this. They, they let their desire overwhelm them, and they traded their destiny for their desire. Now, I need you to hear me tonight. I need you to hear me tonight. Because this is exactly what the devil, how the devil comes after God's people. Is he tries to get us to exchange our divine destinies for some temporary desire. He comes with some offer, some flesh offer. She saw the tree was good for food. Well, there was plenty of food in that garden. Plenty of food. He told her freely eat. You can eat all the mangoes. You can eat all the leeching nuts. You can eat all the peaches. You can eat all the kumquats, the star fruit. You can eat all the fruits you want in that garden. Just don't touch that one. But she saw it's good for food. Mm. All of a sudden, isn't it interesting how it is, how it is that the thing you're not supposed to do is what you start wanting the most, the devil? I mean, you you know you 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 can you can you can you can you can call. We say, well, we're gonna I'm gonna fast for six hours because I got gotta go get blood work done, and you're gonna fast, and it's just like easy peasy breezy. But the moment the Bible the pastor call, we're gonna fast as a church. <sighs> People who don't even eat vegetables, but all of a sudden, we say we're gonna we're gonna fast. We're gonna fast from vegetables. This we're gonna fast from vegetables. All of a sudden, you start desiring vegetables. <laughs> Brussels sprouts just start sounding good. Why? Because the devil always tempts you with what you should not touch, because he's trying to get you to exchange your destiny for a desire. Oh, I gotta hurry. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, don't exchange your destiny for desire. Go, go to Genesis 25. Genesis 25. Because this, this, is not, this is not the last time this happens. It happens many times throughout Scripture. And it happens today. Genesis 25. Hallelujah. And go to verse um, 29 through 34. Genesis 25. See, this is where we got to be careful here because, because if we don't keep the destiny, if we don't keep the plan, if we don't keep the expected end in mind, then we'll be derailed, we'll be, we'll be uh, thrown off course by something the devil brings in our face, in our space, to lure us away. Hallelujah. Well, God's testing me. No, God's not testing you. Let no man say that he's tempted of God. But every man is tempted when he's drawn, what? Drawn away of his own lust. So the devil knows the things that you lust. Remember we talked Sunday about laying aside the sin that easily besets you. So the devil knows what things you lust. Even if there are things you say, well, I ain't lusted after that in a long time. I forgot all about cheesecake. But all of a sudden, somebody had a little cheesecake bike. And it's just, what? come from and and it awakens it stirs something that you thought you forgot about tell me he won't come to you in a dream y'all ain't saying tell me he won't come to you in a dream and show you something you thought you were done with I'm gonna come back over here because y'all got it tell me he won't show you something you thought you were done with yes he will he's a slick something boy 
He's a slick something. Why you? Why you're defenseless? Why you? You, you don't have your guard up. That's why you gotta make sure before, and before you go to bed at night, you're not watching all kind of junk. Say something now. You can't be watching, listening to all kind of junk because that that stuff, that junk, is a seed that the devil will grab a hold of, and your dreams will turn up. You better have some word plan. You better have a word plan. Better have some word plan. You better have something planned. Hallelujah. You can't leave it on regular TV. I'm just I'm going to sleep to gun smoke. No, it might gun smoke might be safe. But the commercials in between. I'm just telling you. You see? So the devil knows how to come to us and he because he's trying to pull us by, uh, by simple desires out or away from our destiny. Are you in Genesis 25? Genesis 25, verse 29. Let me get there. 29 through uh, 34. Now, remember, uh, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau is the eldest son. Jacob is the youngest son. Esau, the eldest son, is supposed to get the birthright, supposed to have uh, uh, double everything that, that Jacob will have. Right? But watch what happens. Now, Jacob cooked the stew. Stew beef, something like that. I don't know. No, it says later on. And Esau came in from the field. Esau came in from the field. And he was what? He was what? Remember I talked about from the Bible said, don't get weary and discouraging your soul. Notice what happens when he comes in and he's weary. The devil knows when you're weary, you are now susceptible. You're now very vulnerable. And he can offer you anything. He can work in the weakness of your flesh. And he, he was weary, verse 30, and Esau said to Jacob, please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name was called Edom. Edom means redness, all right, red, okay? But, uh, 31, but Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Now, if you don't understand, birth, the birthright is the key to his destiny. The birthright is the key to his destiny. The birthright gives it, it's a birthright. That the fact that he was born first, he has birthright to double inheritance. That's what a birthright gives you. It's double inheritance. It's you, you become the executor of the estate when your father passes away. You run everything. But he's hungry. He's weary. So Jacob, the supplanter, Jacob, the trickster, as his name means, seizes upon his opportunity to kick a man when he's down. And he said, sell me your birthright as of this day. Sell it to me right now. And Esau said, look, man, I'm about to die. So what is his birthright to me? In other words, he's saying, I'm so weary, I'm so weak. If I don't get some food, I'm going to die. Now, he wasn't going to die. But when you get weary and discouraged, the devil make you feel like you're going to die if you don't get that right now. If you don't do, that, do this right now, you never have the opportunity to do it again. If you don't move right now, you never, you're not gonna, it's not going to come back to you again. The devil always gets you to be hasty in your words and hasty in your action to get you not thinking about your future, not thinking about your end. He wants you to think only about this moment right here. Y'all better get this here. He says, so what is his birthright to me? Then Jacob says, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Lentils, this lentil stew. Is some oxtails in there too? Okay. Still ain't worth it. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way, thus Esau despised his birthright. The word despise means to think little of something, to place little value on something. So Esau placed, watch this, more value on his stomach, on his belly, on his need being met right in that moment than he did on what was in his future. 
He traded his future for the moment. You better kiss me. Tell you that, but keep the end in mind. Keep the end in mind. Y'all getting this here? So again, the birthright was a key to his destiny here. But he despised it and he sold it for the moment. Now listen to this. The Bible warns us against doing the same thing. The Bible uses God, the Holy Ghost uses this exact story in the New Testament as a warning to us today. Look over there in Hebrews 12. Remember we've been in Hebrews 12 the last few Sundays? Go back to Hebrews 12. You know how to find it. It should be marked in your Bible by now. Hebrews 12. And look at verse 14. Remember we're talking about running with endurance. Enduring in a hostile environment and so forth. Look at verse 14. Let me know when you get there by saying hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pursue peace with some people. All right? Pursue peace with all people and shout it out loud. Shout it loud. Come on. So don't just make peace, but also pursue holiness. Pursue, which means holiness does not just come natural. You got to pursue it. You got you to gotta pursue this lifestyle of God. The Bible says, uh, be holy for I am holy. So holiness is not a denomination. I didn't hear anything up here in the front. Holiness is not a denomination. I go to the holiness church. That's not a denomination. Holiness is a lifestyle. Holiness is still right. I don't care what CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and the Grammys, I don't care, I don't care what so-and-so preacher says. Holiness is still right. I know we have grace, and grace is not to let you sin all you want. Grace is to give you the power to be holy. Y'all ain't saying much to me. Grace gives you the power to be holy because you can't be holy without grace. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to throw this in. You can't be holy without the Holy Ghost. Someone asked, do you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? You need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. I, I, heard, I heard somebody say that. Somebody. Tell you that, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. You need the Holy Ghost. If you're going to go to Wawa's, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're going to... If you're gonna go to school, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're gonna, if you're gonna go in, if you're gonna go on vacation, you need the Holy Ghost because there, there's a we we are compelled by God to be holy, pursue peace with all men and holiness. Watch this, watch this caveat, without which no one will see the Lord. So you won't see God without holiness. So don't let folk tell you you can live any kind of way and see God. That's a lie. I said that's a lie. In the New Testament, this is this is old, this is New Testament yes, after the cross. So you still need holiness. Hallelujah. Verse fifteen. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Now watch this next these next two verses. Lest there be any y'all didn't say. Lest there be any. Some of y'all are scared to say the word fornicator. So everybody say fornicator. fornicator. Don't be scared to say the word. That's not you, right? Y'all know what a fornicator is, right? Anybody has sexual relationship with somebody that they're not married to? It's uncleanness. Even if, even if it's with yourself. Throw that in there. Or profane person. Or profane person. Or profane. Now I got I gotta throw that in today because this is modern day church. Modern day church, thank you. Just listen. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like like who? Remember that guy from Genesis 21? Like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Now, we know that because we just read that, right? But watch the next verse. 
For you know that afterward, that means after he finished that meal and he was satisfied and the, and the, the food went down in his belly, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was, he was, why? For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. So he didn't realize what that stew cost him. He thought he was just selling a birthright. He didn't know he was selling his destiny. He was selling his right to an inheritance. He was selling his right to a blessing. And because he missed out on that, he became subject to his younger brother where his younger brother would have been subject to him. Why? For one meal. Now notice what it says here. So don't be a fornicator or profane person like Esau. So what he's saying, I'm going to just put it in plain everyday terms here. Don't exchange your destiny for a few minutes of of pleasure. Hallelujah. Y'all just look straight ahead if you have to. Don't exchange your destiny. Don't exchange your blessings. Don't exchange your inheritance for a few minutes of copulation that not, that's going to ruin your destiny. It's going it's to, I told you, sin gets you out of bounds. And I told you in football, even in basketball, if you are out of bounds, you are an ineligible receiver. You cannot receive what God has for you if you get out of bounds. That's why the devil keeps offering you the stew. Say they just say no to the stew. Say Not today, Satan. Not today, Satan. Say no to the stew. The stew ain't worth it. It's not worth your destiny. It's not worth your inheritance. It's not worth your blessing. It's not worth your expected end. It's not worth you missing out on what God has planned for your life. Say no to the stew. Esau should have trusted God for his own stew. He was a hunter. Which means he's coming in with game already. He, 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 he should have just waited and said, you know, I'm going to just go and cook my own. So I'm not selling my birthright. I'm going to just cook my own. It might, might take me two hours to eat. But I'm going to just cook, make my own stew. Tell you, neighbor, you can wait. Young ladies, young men, you can wait. Preach, pastor. I think I will. I said, you can wait. Don't let any Tom, Dick, Harry, Sally, Susie, anybody in, entice you to miss out on your inheritance, on your destiny, on your blessing. Well, how am I going to make it? Keep the end in mind. Keep the end in mind. No, honey, you cute, but no. Uh-uh. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. Baby, oh, you, you look good, but no, I'm a, I'm working on something. Somebody say, I'm working on something. I'm working on something. I'm trying to get somewhere. God has an expected end, a future and a hope for me, and it's all good. And I'm not going to let some slick-haired Willie come and get me off. I'm not going to let no boom-boom Brenda come and get me off track. something, man. Working on something. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember when, when Ruth ended up in Boaz's field? And Boaz came out and said, you know, who's that? And he, he told, he said, look, don't you go to anybody else's field. 
Now, what would have happened if she said, well, this ain't enough. I'm going to go in this other, other field over here. She would have missed out on her destiny. Do you know she was the great, great, the great grandmother of David? King David? She would have missed out on being in the lineage of Jesus. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, keep the end in mind. All right, I'm almost done here. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Hallelujah. What the stew beef? That's how we say it. What the stew beef? Man, it's, it, you know when that stew beef is paying off, man. Go another room. Avoid situations. Avoid scenarios. Before the stew beef accidentally spills. It accidentally spills. I slipped and ate some stew beef. You can't no, you didn't slip and eat no stew beef. Accidentally got some stew beef on my tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no. Uh, no accident. Now again, go, go back here. Go, go back here. Are y'all back in Hebrews 12? Look at verse 17. Again, Hebrews 12, 17. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance. Look at this last line. Though he sought it diligently with tears. Tears, is, it denotes sorrow or regret. In other words, it's, it's, it's the drastic, it, it's, it's the emotional response to the realization that I blew it. Ah, y'all missing it. It's, it's the response. It's what happens when it dawns on you that you blew it. Walking with God, I'm doing God's will, and I'm going along, I'm going to church, I'm doing what God tells me to do, but I, I looked over here and there was some stew and I, I got distracted by the stew and next thing you know I'm five, ten years, twenty years away from my assignment and, and I, I look and I realize, look at my life now, now I've wasted my life and the stew, the stew all gone. The stew is all gone. And the sad reality the sad situation when you realize and you look back that I wasted 20 years on stew and stew and stew and I've missed out on the destiny God had for me. Because I, what, 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 what the devil will do, what the devil will do, because remember the devil is the one that gets you out there eating the stew, but then he'll, he'll let you look back on somebody who stayed away from the stew. And you see how they're walking with God now? Family is tight, their marriage is tight, children are grown and successful, they're in ministry, they're doing everything God called them to do, they're, they got a large uh, mega business, they're doing everything, they're in their destiny. And the devil going to have you look back and say, that's what the devil does, he's the one that gets you in it, then he's going he gonna to show you what happened when you messed up. Because he's trying to torment you. So it's a sad day when you look back and realize you've exchanged destiny for deception, exchanged destiny for temporary desires. Let's go one more place here. The same thing happened, go back to the Old Testament, the same thing happened to God's chosen people, Israel. Go to the book of Lamentations, Lamentations. Somebody, I heard somebody never been to Lamentations, all right? 
You find the, find the book of Isaiah. It's in the, in the prophets, the major prophets. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah, we call him the lamenting or the weeping prophet. He's the one that wrote the Lamentations. All right? Thank you, Lord. Lamentations chapter 1, are you there? Again, when God gives us these, these um, the Bible says, Paul said, these things were written for our admonition. In other words, when we see the things that are in the scriptures, we're supposed to look back and say, I'm not going to let that happen to me. Y'all didn't miss it. Y'all missed it. You, you, know, you, ever, you ever wonder why people, for the life of me, I can't figure, why, figure out why people go try fentanyl. There'll be somebody tomorrow who gets the bright idea, I want to try fentanyl. Now, they, they've seen the stories and the people on the news and family or friends of strangers who have died. But they're they going to try it themselves, too. Because every, every fool has in his mind, oh, it's not going to be like that for me. It's always a fool who says, oh, I can, I can do that. It ain't going to be like that for me. I'm going to go slang dope. I'm going to go slang drugs. We call it, they call it drugs. Uh, they used to call it dope back in the day. Uh, I'm going to go slang. I'm going to go, you know, sell. I'm going to get in the game. Because it's the fool that thinks that he can get in the game today and it's not going to end up for him like he ended up for everybody else who got in the game. So when you and I read the word and see what happened to Esau, see what happened to Adam and Eve, and we're going to see what happened to the children of Israel, don't be a fool and think that if you eat the stew, it ain't going to happen to you. Are you in Lamentations? Chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 1. How lonely. That, you know the book is going to be rough when it starts like that. <laughs> Not blessed be the no. This is how lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow is she who was great, who was great among the nations. The princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night. Her tears are on her cheeks. This is talking about the children of Israel as a nation. Among all her lovers, now we're starting to see what's happening, among all her, her beef stew cooks, among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. So notice what it says, your lovers in the world, unlike God, they will love you and leave you. So they love you to get what they want from you, but when all hell breaks loose, they out of there. Ah. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. All her friends, friends, all her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into captivity under affliction and hard servitude. She dwells among the nations. She finds no rest. All her persecutors overtake her in dire straits. Notice how, how things are going for, for Israel. The roads to Zion mourn because no one comes to the set feast, the appointed feast. Passover, tabernacles, uh, weeks, and so forth. All her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Her adversaries have become the master. Her enemies prosper, for the Lord has afflicted her because of what? Her children have gone into captivity before the enemy, and from the daughter of Zion, all her splendor has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture, that flee without strength before the pursuer. Verse 7, in the days of her affliction and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. 
when our people fell into the hand of the enemy. Oh, man. Let me go back over verse 7. In the days of our affliction and roaming, Jerusalem remembers all her pleasant things that she had in the days of old. The devil's going to remind you of how, how it was when you were walking with God, when you were doing God's will. When the people fell into the end of the enemy with no one to help her, the adversaries saw her and mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem has sinned, how? Gravely. Therefore, she has become what? All who honored her despise her because they have seen her nakedness. Yes, she sighs and turns away. Watch this. Here's the clincher right here, verse 9. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. She did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse is awesome. Did you catch that? Are you sure y'all caught that? Did you catch the gist of this whole section here? That she got into sin, got into promiscuity, got into idolatry, got into immorality, began to trade God for the false gods, trade the, the real provider for the fake providers, begin to trade the real friend of theirs, God, for these fake friends out there in the world, begin to eat the devil's stew. And the Bible says in verse 9, her uncleanness is in her skirts. It's talking about the sexual morality that Israel got into. She did not Consider her destiny. In other words, Israel lost sight of God's expected end for them. Israel lost sight of what God had laid out and planned, everything God had spoken, spoken about them through Abraham and even through Moses later on. Everything God had spoken to his prophets, they lost sight of it. The Bible says they, she did not consider her destiny. The King James says she did not remember her end. So this is not, this is not something, because there are some translations who will say, well, she didn't think, she didn't think about how the sin would cause things to happen. No, no, this, this, it, it literally means she did not remember her end. She did not keep the end in mind. What the devil will do is when you and I, we, we get hyped because we find our identity. We get hyped when we discover our purpose. We get hyped when we get assignments from God. We get hyped when we know that God has shown us a great destiny. But somewhere along the road, if we allow ourselves to get weakened doing other assignments, weary doing other assignments, then we'll find ourselves susceptible to sin, to sin. To, to the corrosion and the corruption that comes from sin. From sin. I know y'all are quiet in this Baptist church, but from sin. And in church, people don't talk about sin, but sin will take you out. Sin will get you out of the place you need to be. Sin will prevent you from walking into the destiny God has for you. That's why the devil wants to make, make sin such a, such a light, su such a non-topic in the church today. He don't want for talking about sin. Just talking about, just, just, just talk about your haters. Just talk about your haters. Just, just talk about your breakthrough, but never mention sin. Come on. Come on. Come on. Look at y'all. Look at y'all. Put, put a camera on them. Oh, them. Look, look at your faces. As long as we don't talk about sin, we just talk about my, my breakthrough and my turnaround around the corner, then the devil can slip in with a little bit of stew. Before you know it, you, you now uh, just, just taste the stew. You ever, you ever go into the mall and through the food court, people be sitting out there with the little plates? Uh, some of y'all go to Sam's Club and just... Y'all eat dinner at Sam's Club, going, just going from station to station, just tasting a little. Y'all get full off the samples. Public's got a, got a public's caught on to y'all. People go stand in the public's deli and just keep asking for, let me, let me, let me taste that, uh, let me sample that, that meat, that cheese. They, they, they caught a hold of it. They, uh, we're going to pre-slice it. You, this is what this is what it looks like. That too thin, that's too thick. They used to get, we used to get them like that. The devil will let you sample stew. 
because Israel lost sight of her destiny. She got caught up in idolatry and immorality. This word destiny comes from the Hebrew word akarith, akarith, which means after part. It means the end. It means issue. It means event. She lost, she did not consider her end, her event, her latter time. It means prophetic for future time. She did not consider her posterity, her last, her hindermost, which means that Israel got caught up in the moment. It used to be a song, uh, I think it was As We Lay. Some of y'all remember that. We should have counted up the cost, but instead we got lost in the second, in the minute, in the hour, as we lay. Y'all remember that? I need to get that out of my mind. Get out of there. Get out of there. What, what was she talking about in the song? That you, you forgot about the destiny. You forgot about your end and got caught up in the moment. And the devil always wants the people of God to stop using their eyes of faith, which faith always looks to the future, and to use their eyes of natural, which always looks at the present moment. While we look not at things that are seen, because the things that are seen are... But the things that are not seen, they are eternal. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The devil wants you to get out of the eyes of faith and put your eyes back on this natural world. And if you do, you'll be eating stew. And you'll be crying down the road. That same word, that word ocarith is the same word we find Let's close it here. In Genesis, I'm rather in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, in the King James Version. For I know the thoughts that I think toward yeah. you, said the Lord, thoughts, thoughts of, of peace, peace, not of evil, to give you an expected ocarith, an expected destiny. Yeah. It's the same word. So God says, I'm thinking about your destiny. So when I correct you, it's because I'm thinking about your destiny. Come on, parents, isn't that how we are? If we correct our kids, it's not because we hate them. If we whoop their tails, it ain't because we don't love them. It's because we're thinking about their futures. I don't want you to go down a bad road. I don't want you to waste your life. I don't want you to destroy your life. So I'm going to keep correcting you to keep you on the right track because I'm thinking about where you're going, not where you are now. And even if that means we, we, we may not do some things that your friends do, because uh, that's okay, because we're not thinking about where you are now and whether friends like you now. We're thinking about where you're going to be 20 and 30 and 40 years down the road. So he says, I'm thinking thoughts towards you, to, to thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God says, I'm thinking about your destiny. I have your end in mind. And because I have your end in mind, I'm going to keep correcting you. I'm going to keep sending Pastor John with a corrective word. I don't want to go to that church. He keeps talking about sin. Listen, go to some church where they don't ever mention sin and see how far off you are in five years. If you're flying an airplane, you fly an airplane, and you put an airplane on, on autopilot because, you know, pilots, all they do today is take off and land. Pilots don't fly planes. They take off and they land. Once they, they're in the air, they put the plane on autopilot. And that autopilot, once they put in the coordinates, they're expected in, the plane flies itself. But sometimes what happens when winds come, things happen. The plane, if you don't control it, it'll get off course. And if you don't correct that plane, you don't correct this course. Even if it gets one, two, three degrees off, you keep going 30, 40, 50 miles, 100 miles later, and you didn't correct, it's going to be way off course. Here you are, here you are trying to land in New Mexico, and you're over there in Los Angeles. Why? Because you didn't correct it. So thank God you have a pastor who ain't afraid of your face. Who's going to tell you, pursue holiness. Live right. Don't eat the stew. Tell your neighbor, don't eat the stew. I don't care how suckling it looks. I don't care if it's got 40 weight gravy in it. Don't eat the stew. 
ourselves. Don't eat the stew. Say this in closing. Never sacrifice your future for the moment. Never sacrifice your future, your destiny for the moment. But live every moment of your life with the end in mind. Live every moment of your life with divine destiny in mind. Every moment of your life. Keep in mind where God's taking you. And if you say, Pastor, that's all good, but I don't know my purpose yet. Okay, let me tell you something. If you've not discovered your individualized purpose, let me give you your general purpose. To glorify God. Y'all missed it. Your general purpose is to glorify God. Start there. You, you start by glorifying God. My life is to glorify God. How I live, how I talk, how, how I, how I uh, exchange or, or, or interact with other people, it's to glor- I have to glorify God. Now, if I can nail down glorifying God, then he can speak to me about my individual purpose. And my destiny is to rule and reign the earth. So I'm not going to let a cheap bowl of stew Rob me of the destiny God has for my life. Do y'all receive that? If you receive it, why don't you give God a big shout and a hand clap of praise tonight? Come on, I want you to really praise if you receive it. If He's charging you up and getting you straight now, Hallelujah! Lord, I'm gonna live holy. I'm gonna live right. I'm going to obey your voice. I'm going to follow your word. If I lose friends, I don't care. If my family don't talk to me, I don't care. If I never if I never get married, I don't care because I want my destiny. I want what you have for me more than anything the devil can offer me in this life. I'm not going to exchange my destiny for some temporary desire. I want God more than anything in this life. I want God. He's been too good to me. And I haven't seen anything yet. As good as God has been to me, I haven't seen yet what all he has in store for me. He's just getting started. We're just getting started. So what are we going to do? We're going to keep the end in mind. We're going to keep the end in mind. I'm going to keep on pursuing righteousness, holiness, godliness. I'm going to keep living right. I'm going to, I'm going to stay in my assignment that God gives to me. I'm not going to copy somebody else's assignment. I want his grace on my life in everything I do. So I'm going to keep doing that. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us from heaven. I believe that tonight you've given us clear instructions and correction and direction that's so needed today. God, in this world we're living in and even the church that we're in, the church world has become so watered down with the gospel, so watered down with lifestyles that it's not cool to be holy. But, Lord, we're not concerned about being cool. We're concerned about being holy. Concerned about pleasing you, our Father and our God. We're concerned about, Lord, fulfilling our purposes, our our assignments and our destiny that you've given to us. You've called us here in this earth to rule and reign in the earth. That everything is supposed to be under our feet. So we're not going to let anything that's under our feet rule over us have dominion over us. So we take authority over even our own flesh. We bring our flesh into subjection in the name of Jesus. We bring this flesh into subjection. We bring this flesh into subjection. We bring this flesh into subjection. We will not allow our flesh 
to pull us out of your will. We stand against the enemy and all his temptations. God, we desire you more than things in this world. We won't yield to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, but we'll keep pursuing you, Father. And I pray tonight that, God, every person in this room will have a well-made-up mind to serve the Lord. We'll pursue you, pursue holiness, and pursue destiny. That we will, in everything we do, bring you honor and glory in the earth. Be glorified. In everything we do and everything we say, we pray, Father, that men would see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. It's our desire to please you. So continue to have your way. Forgive us for where we have gone wrong. God, And we ask you to help us to redeem any lost time. Any time we've lost because we ate the stew. Thank you for your forgiveness. We can confess our sins to you. You said you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, God, you'll help us to redeem the time. Make up for lost time. Thank you, Father. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. So we thank you for this time tonight. We pray that, God, you bless the rest of this time together. Thank you for all those who will be baptized tonight. We pray blessing upon them that, God, they, that they have made a a quality decision to serve Jesus Christ all the days of their lives and bless them indeed bless them Lord in abundance we give you praise for it all in Jesus mighty name Amen come on give God a great praise tonight again yeah.